one. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Turn on the Jets Digital Presents Draft Season. I am your moderator. I am not Jeezy, but I had to. we had to start you off with some Jeezy. I am your moderator, D.A. Osario, joined, as always, by three-fourths, the three remaining members of the Four Horsemen of Draft Season, Michael Megan, James Koontz, and Joe Bellick. James, how are you doing, my young fella? Well, Meigs, how are you feeling? I, you know, we're not in Margaritaville anymore, but how are you feeling today? I mean, Jets Twitter's burning down. There's not a better site to say. That's true. And and it just gives us much more content, right? Uh, Joe, how about you, man? How are you feeling? How, how's the, how are the old bones treating you? I'm doing great, Dalvin. Free agency is in full swing. The sun is shining. And my Sundays are never complete <laughs> until I meet up with my boys from draft season. Just wanted to let you guys know that I, that I appreciate you. That's oh man, you know, and it's it's a it's a good day to share the love. It's a good day to share the love. We have ten, nine more days until March ends, right? Nine, ten more days, and then we go into April. And then before you know it, we are thirty days out from the NFL draft. So thank you guys as always for rocking with us. Thank you so much for all the listeners that have been tuning in. We really really appreciate it. I think a lot of you just come straight for the for for Joe's horny title names and James's fuego takes and Meigs's moderate takes. Uh, but hopefully, you know, you found something for everybody. I think I think that that's what's happening. So with week one of free agency in the books and the Jets having made some moves, not a lot of moves, but some moves. And, you know, I think a lot of us can agree that there has been an influx of talent at edge with the addition of Carl Lawson, uh, influx of talent at wide receiver with the addition of Corey Davis and nothing on the offensive line. And James has tried to talk me off the ledge all week about it, but I'm still pretty annoyed by it. <laughs> So what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to do another group mock. This is post-free agency. So we've added Corey Davis. We've added Carl Lawson. We've added Gerard Davis at linebacker. We've added Mr. Feeney on the O-line. He should not start any game for the New York Jets. If you read Joe Billick's breakdown, you will agree with that, that he should not be playing meaningful snaps for the New York Jets next year. Um, we also added a gunner who says that he plays to put food in his kids' mouths, which honestly, as a dad, I can appreciate that. Um, and we added Tyler Croft. So we added an obligatory white tight end that every good offense needs. So we added that. Um, but let's get started right off the bat. We are going to go right to pick two. Uh, the New York Jets are on the clock. And now keep in mind, Joe Douglas has yet to trade Sam Darnold. He has not traded Sam Darnold yet. So we are operating as if Sam Darnold is on this godforsaken roster. So on the board, you guys can't see this, but I will tell you who's on the board right now. On the board right now, we have obviously Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence went first overall. We have Justin Fields, who's also on the board. A Jet, fa a jet Twitter favorite because they want to keep going. Sam Darnold is Penny Sewell. He's on the board also. Meigs, I'm going to start with you. Which way are you leaning? Are you leaning Wilson or are you leaning Fields? So we're not going to take Kyle Pitts and build around Sam? Is that, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> we are. I, listen, <laughs> I'm not doing that. But if you want to go crazy, no. man, you know, feel free. Uh, no, I think Justin Fields is the pick. He's QB two, and that's how I really feel. It's not more much than that. 
Joe, t- tell me, tell me why Fields is your choice here and not Zach Wilson. I'm assuming Fields is your choice. Tell me why him and not. He is my choice. Dual threat quarterback. He's the most accurate quarterback in this entire class on all three levels, short, intermediate, and deep. I think he's the clear QB two for me as well. James, make the case for the Mormon Mahomes. The Mormon Matthew Stafford is what we're going to call him because that comp came out this week and Meeks and I were kind of saying that actually lines up a little bit more than this Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes talk. And honestly, had folks said Matt Stafford in October, I think expectations would have been a bit more realistic. If Zach Wilson doesn't come in next year and throw for 5,000 yards, the bust. Zach, uh, uh, James, make the case for Zach Wilson, please. Well, I think the case for Zach Wilson at number two is that he has a very good deep ball. He has a very good ability to throw off platform. And those two things are very valuable in today's NFL. Um, and if you can get the explosive plays, you're generally going to win the game. So that's the case for, for Zach Wilson, that he can do this. Now, James, what I, you know what I appreciate right there, though? I just want to mention this day is that James did not mention that release. Every time people talk about Zach Wilson, all they talk about is, oh, my God, check out that release coming off his arm. It's like... You never hear, so I appreciate the breakdown, James. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I, I do as well, because the, 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 oh, look, he turned his angle into a 6'8 position, and he was able to complete this sidearm throw. is maddening to me. James, before we, go, before we go to the next pick, as we make Justin Fields the pick, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the folks who say that Zach Wilson very much resembles Sam Darnold? You've played the position. What are your thoughts on folks who say that? Well, I think... Um on a very basic level, they are both quarterbacks who excel off platform. I think the notable and crucial difference is that Wilson can win in structure, whereas Sam like cannot win in structure at this point in his career. Um, but I also think looking at them off structure, there is a difference in, in the quality of play. I think you see with Sam, he's very good out of structure, but he, does, he doesn't have the same variety of release points that Wilson has. And I don't think he has the same like fluidity throwing on the run. And these are kind of smaller points, but I do think that they matter. So I would argue that they're very different prospects in those respects. Also, Wilson throws a deep ball incredibly well. I think it's his biggest strength, arguably. And Sam can't throw the deep ball for his life. So I'd say those are some differences. So let me tell you, the Zoom snapped there. And I thought you said the F word. He like Sam can't throw the deep ball for his effing life. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I don't think that's wrong. Uh, I, I think for me, I think you nailed it. I think the biggest thing, and I think this is where the, the comparison gets very frustrating for me, is that Zach Wilson today throws a better deep ball than Sam Darnold does today. He, that means that, that and, and I think that that's, that's such a telling point because you're talking about a rookie quarterback who's about to enter into the, into the, into the league, throwing a better deep ball than a guy who's now entering year four. That's, that's why you move on here. I don't buy the argument that you need to take another, you need to take another player build around Sam. I think the quarterback has to be the choice. So pick 23. So we have, so again, we've added Carl Lawson in free agency. On the board right now, we have a Joe Bellick favorite, Najee Harris, running back from Alabama, who I will say I saw mocked earlier this week to the to the to the Miami Dolphins and Meeks. You you put a, a message in our chat. You said Najee behind that offensive line, yuck. And I do think he'd be kind of wasted in Miami because the offensive line isn't great. But I did see another mock that had him going to Buffalo, and I think that's incredibly scary because him being the running back behind that O line, I think is scary. We also have Aziz Ojulari, the Nigerian prince. You know, shout out to our man Dan Essen who really loves Aziz. We also have Zayvon Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. We have Trevin Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma. State. Joe, I will start with you. 
what are you leaning towards in the war room? If this is the way the board is and you're sitting at 23, what are you leaning towards in the, in, in the war room here? Uh, some people are comfortable right now with this offensive line. I am not. I think the interior offensive line is look is in dire straits. And even when you look at this entire offensive line as a whole, you see Mackay Becton, you know, he's had some issues this past year with some ailments, right? So a little knee, a shoulder, a chest. Connor McGovern is coming off a bad year, giving up about 33 total pressures, which is the most for a center in the league, tied with, well, his new running mate there, Dan Feeney. And let's be real, George Fant is a wildly inconsistent player. He's average at best. And this offensive line could get real bad real quick, especially if there's an injury. I'm looking at Tevin Jenkins. This guy, when I, if I'm giving somebody a nickname in this draft, I'd give Tevin Jenkins, I call him the finisher. He is mean. He is nasty. He looks to put people on the ground. He's technically sound. And I think he would actually be great starting off his career at that right guard spot. And again, I've mentioned this before, potentially moving him to right tackle next year to replace Fan. But he could be a plug and play starter right now at right guard. For me, this is a no-brainer pick at 23, considering the state of this offensive line. And let's talk about the offensive line leagues for a second, uh, because we saw the Jets didn't bother to call Corey Lindsley, which was surprising. I think we can all agree on. They also were outbid by the Kansas City Chiefs to go get Joe Tooney, right? Which is like it wasn't. And I've made this argument this entire week. It wasn't like the Chiefs offered him six million dollars and he took less money to go to the Chiefs. Like he got paid. Tooney got the bag, you know, from the Chiefs. And you can make the argument, obviously, like, you know, would you rather go play with Pat Mahomes or a rookie quarterback? Pat Mahomes is always the obvious choice. But the one thing I've kept saying is, so you offer more money. It's the salary cap is a myth. It's a social construct. Meigs, what do you think? What are you feeling at this pick? And what do you think of what uh, what Douglas did in, in, with the offensive line, which is basically nothing this entire week? Um, like, I don't really understand why he didn't go after Corey Lindsley. I mean, the scheme fit is perfect as coming from his Michael Forrest brother's offense in Green Bay. Joe Thune, like, he got – he reset the guard market by, like, over a million dollars, like, with Kansas City. I don't know how – like, if, if I was Joe Thune and you offered me, like, 18 to go to the Jets or 16 to go to the Chiefs, $80 million. Like, when you're, when you're getting that much money, it's really hard to, I think, sway someone to go play with a team that's been in the Super Bowl two years in a row. So I don't really blame them for losing out on Thune. I don't really think anyone was going to get him from Kansas City. But um, the, the offensive line needs work. And I really like where Joe's going with Tevin Jenkins because you can find plug-and-play guards on day two, but you can't find someone who could eventually be one of your starting tackles as easy on day two. So if you're going to go guard in round one, I think you need to have someone who you envision playing tackle and for the Jets right tackle with Mekhi back on the left. Going forwards, so that's why I like the Tevin Jenkins pick. But if you're just going to pick a guard, I would wait until day two. So the pick <laughs> is Tevin Jenkins, uh, who should realistically slot into the one of the guard spots before taking over for Fant next year when you finally let him go. Right. Uh, the hope is that the hope is that George Fant does not turn into a turnstile next next season like he was when he was in Seattle. All right, we're up to pick 34, which, as you guys know, those first five picks in round two are essentially. Second, or essentially first round picks, essentially, because this is where you kind of see a lot of the talent start to fall. So still on the board, we have Najee Harris from Alabama, Nick Bolton, the linebacker from Missouri, who I really like. We have Landon Dickerson, the interior offensive lineman from Alabama, another monster in the middle, right? We also have, you know, if you wanted to address the corner room, we have Eric Stoltz, cornerback from Georgia, who, Joe, you really like. Meigs, I'm going to start with you here since you ended the, the, the last one. What are you thinking in terms of who's on the board? What do you think can fit 
this Jets need? We just added a a, a, a starting guard that'll move to right tackle. What are you thinking? Um, I think when you look at the Jets right now, the two biggest needs are what we just talked about was the interior offensive line and the corner room is just abysmal. Like I, Joe Caparoso, the guy who leads turn on the Jets, has been saying it's 2014 all over again. And, and I think corner, I think, is the hardest position to get to have a rookie play because it takes so long to adapt because they don't make it easy for those guys. Everything is geared towards receivers and helping the offense. We saw Jeff Okuda last year really struggle, and he was – guy worthy of a top five selection let alone somebody you're going to take in the second round now so i would really focus on getting a corner here i really like eric stokes as well i just think that that rule you can't have bryce hall going in a cb1 this year that just can't be an option yeah i think i think that's a really good point james i'm going to go to you are do you agree with Meeks' assessment on the corner room or are you thinking hold off on corner and go some go someplace else with this pick I generally agree. Um, I would want to trade out if I could, but given that that's not an option, I definitely agree with Meigs. I haven't really watched any of the corners that are on the board right now. Stokes, Asante Samuel, Melifonwu, but um, I, that I would probably lean towards corner or trading out. All right, James, I mean, Joe, I'm going to go to you for the final ruling. What's the pick here at 34 for the Jets? You know, I, I agree with the guys. Um, we definitely do need a corner. The cornerback room is looking, you know, abysmal. Uh, but we still need some help in the interior. I wouldn't mind double dipping on the offensive line here. We need a, a pass rushing specialist to kind of complete that pass rushing thing that Robert Sal loves to do. Um, so I wouldn't mind addressing that particular position. Somebody who could play potentially, like I said, that kind of D Ford role, a guy who comes in on those passing downs to really challenge the quarterback. But, uh, you know, I like Eric Stokes as well. He's on the board here. He can play in press. He can play in off. He's a versatile corner. I love him. I think he'd be a good fit for this defense. I think Salik could turn this kid into a stud. And so the selection for me is going to be Eric Stokes. So we take the cornerback from Georgia here at 34. And for you guys that don't know, TDN has him, has him ranked the 45th best prospect in this class. We get him at 34. So that's 11 spots ahead of where they have him valued in terms of, in terms of this class. And I actually had Eric Stokes. I did a, I did a mock for, for post-free agency also. And I took Eric Stokes at 66. I thought that was excellent value at 66 for him. Because again, you're talking about a top 50, top 55 player in this class. To get him in the third round is a steal. To get him here, though, I think it's really good value. Let's go to pick 66. So now. We have on the board now. Keep in mind, so we've added a corner, uh, and we have nothing at corner. Realistically, we have now Eric Stokes. We have Bryce Hall. Um, we have at edge. We we have Carl Lawson, right? But we've added nothing opposite him. Joe makes a really good point. The 49ers defense had a D Ford coming off coming off the edge, being that being that pass rusher after he got 12 sacks for Kansas City. The Jets don't have that guy. It's not Jabari Zuniga. It's not Bryce Huff. It, there's nobody there to do this. It's not Blake Cashman. No matter what our our Friend, uh, our friend of TOJ, Will Parkinson, says it is not Blake Cashman and it is not Gerard Davis. It is not any of these guys. Um, so you need somebody there. Um, but you also, like Joe mentioned, you need some. You need more on the on the interior offensive line. You need more. What you have is not good enough. Currently, still on the board, we have safety Richie Grant, a Joe Bellick favorite, who Ben Solak does not like. <laughs> we have Brevin Jordan, the tight end from Miami. We have Elijah Moore, the wide receiver from Ole Miss. We have Tylen Wallace, who's a James Coons favorite, right? Uh, we also have Hamza, who's a James Coons and my favorite. There's a lot of guys on the wall, and then of course the God Kenneth Gainwell is still on the board, but I'm not going to push the guys to go that route in this pick. At pick 66, James, I'm going to start with you. Who are you thinking here with what the, with the talent that's left on the board and what we've done so far in the, in the, in the pick? Yeah. Um, 
I'm leaning towards Brevin Jordan. For me, it's really Brevin Jordan or Elijah Moore. And looking at those two players, I think Jordan is a top 45 type player. I think Moore is more of a middle of the second round type player. So the greater disparity between where we are right now in the draft and where I have those two players evaluated lies with Brevin Jordan. I think he can be a stud in the NFL. He's a high effort blocker who wants to get better. He's incredibly good with the ball in his hands, nice hands, nice contact balance, very athletic. He's like Christopher Herndon, but better. And he actually shows up to play. So I think he's the guy that I want here. I like what you mentioned about when he shows up to play, because I, I don't think there's a snap that I've seen from Brevin Jordan. And full disclosure, I am a big University of Miami fan, but there is not a snap that I've seen Brevin Jordan take off. And I think that that's something to, that's something to really value at that tight end position. Also, we've seen LaFleur, and depending on where he lands on his offense, we've seen his brother use Delaney Walker as an H-back move tight end. We saw Kyle Shanahan use George Kittle as essentially the number one target in his offense, right? Um, and the one thing that I keep saying about positionless football, you want to get as many pass catchers as you can. You get Brevin Jordan on the field, you can move him around. I don't think there's a linebacker that can stick with him. I don't think that there's a safety big enough to cover him. No, Jamal Adams cannot cover him, Jet fans. You have to let that go. Uh, but Brevin Jordan would be an interesting pick. Uh, Meeks, I'm going to go to you. Do you like Brevin Jordan here? Are you thinking another position? What are your thoughts? Uh, I like Brevin Jordan. I think he's the second best tight end in this class after Kyle Pitts. Um, looking at the board, um, if we're in the Jets war room, I don't know how Robert Saleh is not pounding the table for Jameen Davis out of Kentucky. And I think this linebacker crew does need some work, especially after Keanu O'Neill went to the Cowboys. But uh, Elijah Moore is on the board and he's my wide receiver five. And I don't and I just love that fit of Elijah with Corey Davis and Mims. He basically can do anything Jameson Crowder does, and he can actually win down the field, and I think he's got way more juice after the catch. So I just can't pass him up. I really can't. And I will say Elijah Moore is also my wide receiver five. Joe, what are you thinking? We have we have one – we're thinking, you know, tight end. We're looking at wide receiver. Clearly we want to give our young quarterback, Justin Fields, some help. Um, you know, what are you thinking? What are, what are you leaning for before we put the pick in? I think there's some a couple of pretty good prospects on the board here. So I think that the Jets would be in good position if this is the way it, it broke. Um, I really like Brevin Jordan. He has this, he's got yak for days. They could definitely utilize him within this offense. He, I know actually two people who are pretty re well respected in the community who have him as tight end one. So to see him here in the third round and have the ability or the chance to draft him would be, I think a little bit, a somewhat of a dream scenario for a team that could really use a dominant tight end. We don't really know what we're getting from Herndon, you know, Brongan Croft, who's going to be kind of that more, more of that blocking tight end. So, but I, I, I like what Meeks is saying about Elijah Moore. I mean, for me, Elijah Moore was love at first sight. I mean, when I saw him and I saw how slippery he is, his change of direction, um, he's actually, he's tough as well. You could actually use him a little bit in the running game as, as well. I don't think people realize he has some really nice vision, even from a running perspective. I forgot who mentioned this. I think it was actually Matt Waldman again, who compared him to a blend between Danny Woodhead and Steve Smith. So imagine having Danny Woodhead and Steve Smith rolled into one player. Well, that is kind of pretty much Elijah Moore. I think he nailed, nailed it on the head right there. So it's tough between uh, Jordan and Moore for me. I think considering we address Corey Davis, and I think that there are going to be some other slot guys later on, even though I believe Moore could play outside as well. I don't think you're going to find another tight end like Jordan later in the draft. So I'm going to go with Brevin right here. So we have two picks for Brevin Jordan, one for a linebacker that no Jet fan before this, before this podcast has ever heard of. I guarantee that. <laughs> so the pick is Brevin Jordan, tight end from Miami, and you add him to this pass-catching group. 
Um, and I, I like the point that you guys made about the opportunity cost here, right? This is not a good tight end class. I think we've all we've all agreed to that, right? There's not a good tight end class. You add Brevin Jordan to a group that really did not add anything. And I think we all wanted them to add maybe a Jonu Smith if he was too expensive, maybe a Gerald Everett, right? Because you don't want to just hand the job to Chris Herndon. I don't think Herndon has shown enough to just be handed the job. But you add a guy like Brevin Jordan, and now you're talking about when you put out their formations with Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Chris Herndon, and Brevin Jordan. That's power football, you know, in the sense of that. That's you're putting out four power forwards that are just boxing corners out. Let's go to round. Let's go to our next uh, third round pick as, as we start to wrap this up. Now, Michael Carter's on the board. Tylen Wallace is on the board. Big Kenneth Gainwell, the real Kenny G, not the one that went to the Giants yesterday for 46 million guaranteed is on the board. But we also have Carlos Basham Jr., who I think the draft season team is is pretty convinced could play inside in a solid defense. I don't think he should. I don't think he should be that. He should be the edge here, um, guys. I'll I'll start with you, Meigs. What are you thinking here uh, with the second, third round pick, the one that we got for Jamal Adams? Um, you know, I just want to be nice to my guy Joe B. And I see Peyton Turner's on the board, and I know that that's his guy, and I know he needs some more health at edge. And I don't. I can't take. I love Michael Carter. I can't take a running back here with how our with how our line looks like right now. Like for me, it's always. I think guards make running backs look better and I guess we were talking about the day three and the day two guys not like the elite elite talent so I think you got to sure up the defense and really help out Robert Sala so that's what I'm thinking here. Meigs is leaning towards the Cougar from Houston not to be confused with any attractive over 50 year old ladies in Houston. James I'm going to go to you are you leaning towards Peyton Turner here also with this with pick six pick 86? So I actually haven't watched Peyton Turner, but I did watch another player who's on the board who we haven't mentioned, and that's Jordan Smith, who's the edge from UAB. Now, uh, let me preface this by saying that um, I'm not sure if Smith um, is somebody who would be on the Jets board just because he got in trouble for like a financial crime a few years ago, uh, but he's, a, he's really good. Um, he plays for UAB, but he used to be a Florida commit. Um, he's 6'6", got vines, like 250, but he's actually a really nuanced pass rusher. He used on consecutive reps at the end of a game to ice a game, he used Von Miller's ghost technique to really run under the table and dip under that OT to get a sack. And then he used a spin move to get a pressure to ice a game. And so I think he's you know, a lot more technically advanced than a lot of other rushers in this draft. He's physically imposing. Um, I think he does take a little bit of time to acclimate to the NFL, but you know, to the extent that we can maybe bring in another free agent for low cost and have him, Zuniga, and Smith compete, I think Smith is a really intriguing rusher. And I will say, I have, I have friends who've gone to UAB, and I always hesitate to take uh, people who go to school like to go to school with some of these prospects and say and when they say they're good, because I'm like, that's that Homer bias, right? But as we've shown in this show, James goes to Northwestern and he nailed Greg Newsom six months ago, right? So there was no bias there. No bias there. Um, I will say Jordan Smith has, I do like James's point. Jordan Smith has some of the more refined pass rushing moves that I've seen from a guy that's not talked about in, in the top 50. And I think that that's, that's really interesting. It could be really good value. Joe Bellick, what do you do? You have the love of your life, Peyton Turner and a hot chick in Jordan Smith who's is, getting pregnant tonight. Well, let me tell you, this is so weird because <laughs> and the fact that I had a dream about Jordan Smith last night. I'm not even kidding. This is a true story. <laughs> okay, nothing crazy happened like what you guys might be thinking, but Jordan was, I don't even remember what happened. I know it was definitely, you know, platonic, but like something was weird. I was like, why am I, I woke up, I'm like, why am I dreaming about Jordan Smith? I haven't really even watched Jordan Smith. It was odd. I, I even told my wife, I'm like, I dreamt about this guy, Jordan Smith. 
I barely even watched him. The whole thing is crazy. I have no idea what's going on. And now James is bringing it up. It's really kind of a funny coincidence, but I appreciate Meigs bringing up my boy, Peyton Turner. Now, Peyton is a little raw, but this guy's upside is through the roof. I love this guy. He's shown so many flashes. Um, he'll bull rush you with the long arm. He'll dip and rip around the corner. He'll use footwork to throw an offensive lineman off his base. The stuff that he could do now with the limited experience he has at edge is very impressive. There's this he has almost like this uh, wide receiver-esque stretch release that he uses to get inside. He'll bait an off, uh, offensive lineman with a, a nice kind of pressure step or jab step to the outside before cutting inside with a, a club and an arm over. He actually did it to Brady Christensen, a, a player that many are considering an NFL-level offensive tackle in pursuit to tackle maybe would-be future quarterback Zach Wilson. He could he, he, Zach could not get out of the grasp of this behemoth of a guy who's just extremely athletic and big. I like him in this defense in that kind of a strong side defensive end, maybe in that Jonathan Franklin Myers mold. Now we don't really know what we're getting from JFM. So I think maybe addressing that position with him here for, you know, so he has somebody to compete with um, would be wise. And then I think even on those clear passing downs, you could bring him in, bring, if, if JFM wins the starting job, then you could use him in that kind of like, uh, like I said, on those clear passing downs, you put him at the edge, you move JFM inside, you got Carlos Basham on the other side, Q at the other spot. And that could be a pretty formidable pass rush. So Hayden Turner, let me tell you, sky is the limit for this guy. I'm actually starting to call him. I think people should call him Edge Turner because I think that he should actually go and change his name to Edge Turner because I think that he's going to be the steal of the draft. If he gets on the right coaching staff, and I think this is the one to really teach him and refine his technique, he's going to be a blast. I like the nickname Edge Turner. I like that. I'm going to call him Peyton Ted Turner, and hopefully it turns out better than WCW. So Peyton Turner is the pick here for, for the Jets at 86. And now for our last pick in this four-round mock draft, we have about four minutes to go. Uh, and I, you know what, I, I like the Peyton Turner pick. I like what we've done. I think we've done what Joe Douglas failed to do. What he failed to do. Joe Douglas has failed this city, to quote Arrow from the DC TV universe. Um, by the way, do not watch the Snyder Cut, guys. Four hours, way too long. Here we are. We're on the clock. Pick 107. We have, Joe just mentioned Carlos Basham. Do you double dip at edge? We also saw Patrick Johnson still on the board. Uh, this team does need a running back, guys. They need a running back, and it is not Ty Johnson. It is not LaMichael Pirine. Um, you know, we have Jamar Jefferson, who's still on the board. We also have, if you wanted to go back to the interior line, we have Ben Cleveland. James, I'll start with you. Which way are you leaning here as we wrap this mock-up? This is kind of tough because I don't think any of the players on the board are particularly good values. A lot of these guys are like – fifth round, sixth round prospect. So I think ideally you trade back. Um, but if I had to take a player, which we do, uh, a player that I'd be targeting is our Darius Washington, who's a safety from TCU. Um, looking at our safety room, May is on a one-year deal. Uh, so is LaMarcus Joyner, who's also really old. I don't think we have anything that's like super certain there. So he's the player I'd be targeting. He's really a ball of energy, played in a very modern split safety college defense. That's incredibly complicated. So I don't think mentally it'd be very difficult for him to adjust to the NFL caliber of defenses. And then just looking at the other players who we could otherwise take, I don't think there are any fits in interior offensive line. Um, running back is intriguing, but I don't think it's good value with Jamar Jefferson. Um, and wide receiver, I don't think there's great value. I think you know, Jalen Darden is more of a day three guy, and so is Daz Newsom. So those are my thoughts. Meigs, make the pick for us here. Joe, we're not skipping over you, but we gave you a lot of Peyton Turner love last round. So we're going to go to Meigs for this one. Meigs, finish this off. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, like, tough here. Like, when you're picking on day three, it's always, like, 
trying to find the best guy, what you think you can develop, because really the guy you're drafting here probably isn't going to see the field year one. And I'm tempted to take Carlos Basham just to see James's reaction, because I know I think he has him as his edge 96 in this class, as he's told us. So I'm curious. I want to do that. But um, I I think, like, depending on the interior offensive line, I think is Douglas going to be the guy who builds depth there? I think you can see. I think, I mean, like, Ben Cleveland literally looks like the mountain from Game of Thrones. And putting him next to Mekhi Becton is really, really tempting just to watch those guys throw people around. But I do think that safety is going to be an important position in this defense. There's a reason they went out and got LaMarcus Joyner. So uh, I think James is right to go with Ardarius Washington. And I do think that (laughs) drafting Ardarius Washington, who is my safety three in this class, guys, by the way, he is my safety three. I think that he is a baller. I think he's a baller from the safety position. I think, our Darius Washington would when Marcus May is traded midway through next year for, for a third round pick. Our Darius Washington will take his spot. All right, that is it for our mock draft uh, post free agency. Real quick, guys, we have a minute to go. Let's go around the horn. James, favorite pick from our mock draft? Ah, uh, gotta be Justin Fields. Justin Fields, good. Meigs, pick you hated the most from our mock draft. Oh, Brevin Jordan, easily. I like Brevin Jordan. I think he's good, and I think he's, like, this tight end two in this class. I just think, like, with all the holes on our roster, if you're getting a guy who I don't think is going to be Kittle, Waller, or Kelsey, and when you really look around the NFL, tight ends don't matter as much as those three guys. So that's the pick I would probably be, I would say, at least happy about. And I will ask myself this. Pick that you're mad we didn't make. It was Kenny Gainwell because he went one pick ahead to the Jaguars in round four. I am planting the flag, guys. When Kenneth Gainwell runs for 1,000 yards within his first two seasons, I don't want to hear it. Guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Draft Season. We will be back next week.